0: This podcast was recorded Thursday, December 15th at 1035 AM. Things may have changed by the time you hear this.
1: Yeah, like the highest court in the land will take away powers from other courts.
0: That's what the gerrymandering supporters want the U.S. Supreme Court to do when it comes to map making. But it looks, it looks like the checks and balances
1: may survive. Those judges stick together. Yes, they do. Let's talk politics. <laughs> This is Snollygoster, WOSU Public Media's weekly look at Ohio politics and all those Snollygosters or shrewd politicians who see a serious primary challenge coming and decide to become an independent.
0: I'm Steve Brown. And I'm Mike Thompson. I wonder which Republican in Ohio will join or would join Senator Kristen Cinema of Arizona.
1: Coming up in the podcast, old grudges live on at the Ohio Supreme Court.
0: But first, soon after the Dobbs decision came down this summer, abortion rights supporters in Ohio
1: basically turned their attention to the ballot. With the legislature and governor firmly opposed to abortion rights, a voter approved change to the Constitution seems the only way to restore access to the procedure. Now, two groups
0: have come forward with plans to go to the ballot. A physician's group this week announced it wants to put the question on November's ballot, this November's ballot. And another coalition of abortion providers and their allies also plan a ballot campaign. Their eyes are on this year or next year. They haven't haven't said.
1: So we could have one in 2023, one in 2024, depending on... A lot, lot depends on that, right? It's a very expensive ordeal. takes a lot of signatures. Um, one group is Ohio Physicians for Reproductive Freedom, quote, patient-focused group of more than 1,400 doctors. And the other is Ohioans for Reproductive Freedom. That includes Planned Parenthood, Pro-Choice Ohio, the ACLU, and a lot of other uh, similar left-leaning groups.
0: Yeah, they even have basically the same name, Ohio Physicians for Reproductive Freedom, Ohioans for Reproductive Freedom. you think they would just join
1: forces, you know? Why I would suspect they will at some point I would think.
0: Yeah, that's the, we've reached out to these groups. Uh, nobody wanted to chat this week, so we have a lot of questions. So let's just start asking them and see if we can. We'll have to border on speculation here, but why are there two groups? You wonder if they couldn't come to an agreement on what the amendment would say. For instance, where would, what at what point would abortions be prohibited in Ohio?
1: Yeah, um, that's one possibility. Should it contain viability language? Should it be should it be a Roe style abortion rights guarantee? And why why would one be on the 2023 ballot potentially and the other on the 2024
0: ballot? Yeah, you have to wonder, you wouldn't think that you would put an issue like this on an odd year, basically a municipal election ballot in November. You'd wait until 2024 presidential election year, high turnout, high Democratic turnout, in, in a presidential year, you'd have a better chance of winning. But maybe they my guess is that they're looking at, we'll talk about it more in a moment, but they're looking at this this effort to increase the number of votes you need to pass one of these amendments to 60% of the vote and saying we want to get this ball rolling. Maybe you can challenge it legally saying, look, we've started our petition drive before you change the rules, so you can't change the rules for this year. They might be trying to do that. Or they just want to get it going so they can get an amendment on the ballot before that 60 percent threshold is required
1: or maybe voter turnout being high is not necessarily a good thing for ohio democrats anymore i mean look at look at 2020 look at 2022 not good years for ohio democrats at all also i mean marijuana might be on the on the ballot next year so it's even if even if it's not a, a midterm election or a presidential election, it could still be getting a lot of attention with uh, recreational marijuana and potentially abortion.
0: Yeah, and let's, the abortion issue is very top of mind now. We saw it. Mm-hmm. It was, I don't know if it was the motivating factor in this, this past November's election, but it certainly was a motivating factor, a much more of a motivating factor for uh, Democrats than it has been in years past. So maybe that's what their calculus is. I'm curious to see what the amendment would look like cuz that really is the key to its election viability is to is it is the ban at up to 15 weeks is it up to 20 weeks is it up to viability are there no limits on abortion which some abortion rights supporters they don't want any limits they don't want to handcuff doctors at all and of course abortion rights opponents will seize on that saying they want they say people will be able to have abortions right up until Birth right before birth.
1: Yeah, we had a, a statement like that from Ohio Right to Life, Mike Gonadakis talking about these, these new, abortion rights initiatives going forward. They obviously exaggerate. You know, they say abortion on demand and things like that. Maybe that is true, but that's not that going. You know, previously that language has been exaggerated that we've seen from abortion opponents.
0: It shows that abortion rights supporters are starting to not just think about this but starting to mobilize. Whether it is for 23 or 24, it will be on the ballot at some point in Ohio. even if mm-hmm. they have to b- cross the 60% threshold
1: assuming they can get the signatures.
0: Yes, they need a lot of signatures. A lot of signatures. yeah. That, I mean, yeah basically upwards. they need a million signatures right. including the ones that you know, they have to throw out. So Yeah, they
1: need about a half million by the time a half million valid verified petition signatures so to to be safe need about a million.
0: Yeah, it's a hard process to just get on the ballot under the current system, and then if
1: you add on that, you need sixty percent of the vote to pass. It's going to be even harder. Yeah, getting to that sixty percent mark, um, State Representative Brian Stewart made it official, as reported by Cleveland.com. He wrote his colleagues um, in the, in the House of GOP that the sixty percent threshold that we've been talking about was designed specifically to thwart efforts to guarantee abortion rights in the Constitution and to kill efforts. To stop gerrymandering. Yeah. So
0: before they were just saying, no, no, this is all just to stop out-of-state special interests. But now this letter said, nope. Here's why we're doing it, and it was obvious why they were doing it. So now it's official. It's on paper. It's out in the open, which is a good thing.
1: So they're gonna. That's what they're gonna say in public when you stick a microphone in their face.
0: I don't know. It's in writing. I'm not sure Frank LaRose. Would I don't say think Frank that,
1: LaRose will. I, I. I
0: mean, I'm assuming he won't. Yeah. The state rep certainly will. But it didn't have enough votes in the lame duck session. Uh, Bob Cupp, the House Speaker, said that. He predicted they didn't have enough support and the session basically ended without a vote on this 60% threshold uh, bill. And ironically, it was some conservatives who didn't like the idea because they want to put their own amendments on the ballot to ban vaccine mandates, to ban statewide shutdowns for health emergencies. And they don't want to have to cross that 60 percent threshold to get those things passed.
1: Yeah. And as as we've said, opponents also contend it was unnecessary. Voters amended the Constitution in 2015 to prevent initiative petitions from being used to grant a monopoly or other special uh, commercial economic interests. And what what was the last big out of state push? Was it casinos in 2009? Yeah, I would say casinos. You know, you
0: that was the, and that marijuana. Was like the,
1: marijuana was too, but it failed. Recreational marijuana, the responsible Ohio, and that's what led to this one because it would
0: have created a monopoly for for, right. for marijuana, uh, and that that's why it failed because voters saw through that and it, it they they lost, and the casino because I think it was the casinos was the sixth try to get it passed when it finally got passed, and that was an, that was definitely out of state interest, battling back and forth, and it it's funny. The reason why it passed was because the out-of-state interests finally teamed up and didn't compete against each other. It was always one casino company battling another, and they finally teamed up
1: or agreed to stay out of it, and the thing passed. What firms are they going to find to push this? If this does go to the ballot, right, we're not sure if it will. It, fail, it failed in the, in the lame duck session, but it still potentially has a chance to, to go forward. The Dennis Willard types are not going to want this. This is going to cut into their market share. No, I mean
0: they—they, yeah—the the consulting firms—they're not going to like this because it, no. it's going to hurt hurt their efforts to to make some money trying to get campaigns going. And the opponents to this—they had what hundred some odd groups showed up with all of their member lists and put it in a big ballot box at mm-hmm. the state house. Say all these people are going to vote because against this, I suspect there may have been some polling on this as well. You know, from folks saying, okay, if this does get on the ballot in May, what are voters going to say on this? Because it's, to me, it's, a, it's a, going to be an easy campaign for opponents. This question will take away your vote. Right. That's pretty simple. It's very simple. And it, voters like to vote no if they even have a hint of they don't like something or they're confused by it. So you, it's, it's already hard enough to get people to vote yes for a change. And then you to vote yes, you're going to take away your vote. That would have been a tough campaign, I believe, even for a May election.
1: Because I'm a big fan of political nonsense, my favorite part of the story, and I'm calling it now. If this does go to the ballot, it's going to be led by an out-of-state interest group. <laughs> there will be out-of-state money for I know, sure. There will be, because you're not going to get the, the in-state firms to, to get behind this. They don't want any part of this, I would assume. This will
0: also be a proxy vote for the abortion issue. I guarantee you, if this gets on the ballot in May, the abortion rights advocates will say this is designed to take away abortion rights.
1: Well, they could backfire too.
0: So that it will be both a take away your vote and also take away your ability to control your own reproductive freedom. That will be the it'll be a proxy fight for
1: sure. Yeah, I, I haven't looked at the latest polls, but again, as we always say on this issue, it's it's around sixty forty usually that say Ohioans <laughs> favor. Abortion access with restrictions. Yes. 68% oppose the current law, which is on hold. The current law, which is the fetal
0: activity uh, law that's Mm -hmm. on hold right now, the six-week ban.
1: Uh, So we've spent a lot of time talking about something that did not pass in the lame duck session, something that did major voting changes. Lawmakers voted to require all voters to show a photo ID before they can cast a ballot.
0: The bill makes it so people without a driver's license could get a free photo ID. The IDs would not have to show the voters' current address, which was on the table early in this debate.
1: Yes, yeah, supporters say it will strengthen election security. Opponents say voter impersonation is non-existent and the ID requirement will make it harder for people to vote. Uh, B- Bill Seitz has been the main proponent of this. Um, you know, he made some made some comments that I think are, are just nonsense, where he was talking about the, the production of, of fake utility bills that are used to help people vote under the current law, which does not require a photo ID. I I had to laugh when I heard that, because he was saying that college students right. are
0: faking utility bills to vote. Right. I don't know how long it's been since Bill Sites has been on a college campus, but do you know what kind of things that college students fake to do something <laughs> they're not supposed to do? Photo, photo right? IDs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and as a, as a parent of of college students yourself, I guess your kids are We're weird, out of college, right? And they're but, Legal drinking age now. B- but did they ever pay any bills? Did they have any bills at their house? Are they all their bills went straight to you?
0: Well, yeah. Well, that's the other thing too. Uh, the uh, no, they they had to pay I their know, cable kidding. bill. And I'm their, kidding. They they had I bills. did pay the bills. A lot, of, but a lot the, of college kids have bills. I had to pay my own bills. They had they had the bill whether they paid them themselves or not is is open to question. <laughs> but their name was on the bill
1: anyway. This is a a pretty big change. It's most people show their photo ID anyway when they do vote, mm-hmm. but this is really symbolic. This is, um, hold on, no. it's a years-long effort by by Republicans, and it's become a mainstream Republican issue now. And I think this is again, it's not going to affect as many people as as the the amount of news stories on this might suggest, but it's really symbolic.
0: Well, as we heard last week, the League of Women Voters they have estimates that say 10% of Ohio's voting age population does not have a photo I think ID. It was, I think
1: it was 11% and 800,000 people about yeah. they estimate do not have a photo ID in Ohio. Yeah,
0: and a lot of those could be older folks, a lot mm-hmm. of those younger folks that don't drive, and lower income folks that don't drive, but they have access now to a photo ID. I, I, I heard the League of Women Voters uh, just now on our talk show here at Delegate OSU saying that now the effort is to make sure that there is a public education campaign out there to help people get IDs, make sure they have the right ID so they can vote. So that's that's the tactic they're going with now.
1: They keep making it harder. I mean, they keep making life harder for people who want to make it easier to vote and people who want to amend the state constitution. Republicans, I think by every every measurable piece of data here, want to make it harder to vote.
0: Yeah. You now, there's no real evidence that photo ID hurts turnout. Now, it's hard to prove a negative. You don't know if if a state did not have photo ID, like say Georgia, Georgia just had this huge election with Herschel Walker and Senator Warnock uh, winning re-election in two elections, including the runoff. Turnout was big in both. They have photo ID. So the advocates got their vote out, but did it, would it have been more? Would there have been higher turnout if it was not for the photo ID? It's hard to prove a negative. But there's not a whole lot of evidence that photo ID requirements have hurt turnout.
1: Yeah, the free ID helps, obviously, but there are obstacles to getting there, right? I mean, people who don't have a photo ID don't have a driver's license, so it's going to be much harder for them to get to the BMV. It's going to be much harder for them to obtain that bill. Get the
0: documents they need, the birth certificate, the... Right. Whatever else they need. These
1: might be lower income people. The The address requirement was removed, but these are still going to be people who, who probably move more frequently than others. And they could lose their right to vote because they've had trouble obtaining an ID. Yeah.
0: And it doesn't have to be an Ohio ID. There was some talk of that. You could use – there was – early on, there was – you had to have an Ohio-issued ID or military ID. Now, apparently, a passport is okay. Again, a lot of low-income folks don't have passports, of course, but, um, you know – college student might have it, or an older person doesn't drive might have a passport. Yeah, it's, it's
1: really going to disproportionately affect lower-income people, and that's sad, but um, again, hopefully voter outreach efforts can tell people that this is the new law. Assuming Governor DeWine signs this, which I think we can all assume at this point, but assuming he signs this, then yeah, Jen Miller, as she says, it will turn to to voter education.
0: Yeah, and also those other changes, too. You know, It officially limits the number of drop boxes in a county. It cuts out an absentee voting. It makes it, you know...
1: The, the time request requested absentee ballot now is shorter. And then the time that the county has to process it is shorter. They have to have every absentee ballot counted by four days after the election instead of the previous 10 days. Yeah. And again, that was a compromise because
0: it was supposed to be when the polls close. So there was some compromise in this process, which is, I guess, a good thing, but it still makes it harder to vote. That's the bottom line.
1: Yeah. And we should say also um, in the lame duck legislative session, there was not... An education overhaul bill passed. We um, that was there. There was a bill to to really defang the board of education, and then what got rolled into that was the transgender athlete bill that we've talked about. That would bar transgender athletes in Ohio from participating in girls' sports in middle and high school and that field. Yeah. So that did not that did not pass. The new, law, new legislature begins in January, so the fun will start anew. <laughs> it will get fun, fun, doing air quotes, fun. Uh, time now for our Snollygoster of the Week segment where we honor the shrewdest politician or political move of the week. And this week we may not honor a shrewd move, but it certainly could be considered rude.
0: Yeah, the end of the year brings to an end, at least for now, uh, an historic political career in Ohio. Because of age limits, Ohio Supreme Court Justice Maureen O'Connor has to leave the court. She has had quite the career as an elected official. She has served in statewide office longer than any woman in Ohio history.
1: Yeah, certainly a very well-respected public official in Ohio. She served on the Ohio Supreme Court for 20 years, the last 12 as chief justice, really quite a career Um, Quite an achievement for the Ohio Republican Party in general.
0: Yeah, and this week, dignitaries from both parties gathered to honor O'Connor at the Supreme Court. They had a ceremony. They unveiled her portrait.
1: Former Governors Taft and Kasich were there. But you know who was not there? O'Connor's fellow Supreme Court justices, Pat DeWine and Sharon Kennedy, both are Republicans just like O'Connor, and Kennedy will succeed O'Connor as chief justice.
0: They skipped the event. Their chairs were empty right there on the bench of the Ohio Supreme Court. We don't know for sure why they were not there, but we assume they are still mad at O'Connor for a few of her rulings, namely her five votes declaring Ohio's legislative maps to
1: be unconstitutional. Governor Mike DeWine, Pat DeWine's father also skip the event. And he never misses anything. Well unless his kids are running cross unless his grandkids right. are running cross country. <laughs> he missed the Trump event. So partisan <laughs> politics at its worst really. Um, and we wonder why the the public has less and less confidence in the courts. I, I will say this is somehow less petty than, you know, as we say her portrait has been unveiled. Her portrait already hung in some other state buildings and there have been instances where Republicans have turned the picture backwards against the wall.
0: It's the time we live in right now. Anyway, for for blowing off Maureen O'Connor's farewell and for not letting bygones be bygones, Justices DeWine and Kennedy get our Snollygoster of the Week award.
1: That will do it for this week's episode. If you have a suggestion for next week's Snollygoster of the Week, you can send it to us at snollygoster at WOSU.org. As always, be sure to leave us a good review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts or just tell your friends about us. Until next week, for our student producer, Katie Genius, our audio producer, Eric French, and our web producer, Michael DeBonis, I'm Steve Brown. And I'm Mike Thompson for Snally Goster from WOSU Public Media.